I want to just start off by, um, first off, letting, uh, maybe I'll even let you do this, is if give people a little bit, do, doc, Dr. Turkle is a family uh, practice physician. He's still, as CEO, um, still sees patients in practice. And I was saying, and I know a lot of the, uh, hospital system CEOs, that is one of the most unique things. Uh, and uh, you're, you're still, still practicing, right? I am. I am. And... Um... I think it's an important part of keeping me grounded, reminding me why we're here, why we do the work we do every day. Yeah. So again, so Nick is, I should say, was CEO of Aurora Healthcare. Um, and in the news, uh, for those of you who are following, there's some, been some big merger, mega mergers um, within the health industry. And everybody's heard of like, the CVS and Aetna merger. Um, Nick has uh, just recently completed uh, a merger um, with Advocate Health, and Advocate Health and Aurora merged and are now the 10th largest health system in the United States? That's right. So we, um, we were two systems, each about five and a half to six billion dollars in revenue, um, located in Chicago and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and decided that if we could do something by coming together that was gonna make patient care better, make us more efficient, give us more opportunities to get out ahead of the curve in healthcare, then we should do it. But we had to prove to ourselves that it was gonna make healthcare better or we were gonna walk away from it. So we spent a number of months evaluating the opportunity and uh, closed our deal in April and have spent the last nine months heavily integrating the two organizations. It's been a lot of fun. So now you get to spend your time in both Wisconsin and in, in Illinois. Lots of windshield time. You know, I, I, used to, um, I used to be really, I used to think it was very funny to make jokes about the governors in Illinois and how they all ended up in federal prison. And now I'm back in Illinois where I grew up. So <laughs> it's, uh, I don't make those jokes anymore. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, being a Philly guy, I mean, I love Chicago now uh, after, uh, after yesterday. We don't love Philly so much. <laughs> so w when you said that the only way and the only reason that you would have done this merger is if it improved patient care. Right. W what have you seen? And I know it's only been a short time, but what was your hope as you did the merger? And what are you seeing since you've done the merger sure. in the benefits to the patients? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that healthcare has not been very rapid at adapting to consumerism, to giving patients what they need around access and ease of care. And so we wanted to measure this against what will it do to, to our efforts on consumerism, how is it going to help us on innovation, and how will it help us on some of our um, service lines. So as a combined organization, I believe we have the fifth or sixth largest cardiac program in the country. Our ability now to recruit um, very subspecialized cardiologists that can serve our three million patients across Illinois and Wisconsin is it's just a different game than it was a year ago. So recruitment of specialists, um, augmenting skills that existed in one organization but not the other. That was especially true in, in the cancer area. We're now building up our, our uh, cancer program. Neuroscience would be another example. So 
in some of those service lines, we are able now to provide a higher level of care, even after a few months. Mm -hmm. And I think that will continue to evolve. The other areas, though, that become incredibly important are what people here today would want to hear about, and that's our ability to, to innovate. Um, one of the things that has happened with being a larger organization, being a top 10 organization, we have had a lot of folks approach us from outside. So large organizations who might not have noticed us before now want to talk about partnership. Um, but small organizations, like many of the companies here, um, we're a great testing ground for those companies. So with 3 million patients, nice cross-section of middle America, we can implement something in one site and then spread it fairly quickly to other sites. Baby Scripts being an example of a company that we've worked with now for, for a period of time on the Aurora side, and now we can spread across the entire organization. So it's that whole area of innovation, the ability to change how healthcare is delivered, I'm ever more convinced that we have to do it piece by piece. There's no easy answer to, to making it better for patients. We've got to look for companies that are going to help us. Yeah, and also are you seeing a change in for as clinical trials and it, access to care for, for your patients as well? We are. Um, when we think about clinical trials and the ability to enroll patients, um, having a population of 3 million patients now is, is really incredible. You know, we, we can enroll a lot more people. We can, we're, we're attractive to folks who want to do clinical trials for the same reasons. We can, we can spread it across two states very effectively. So we're, doing, we're actually doing um, more clinical trials than the medical school that's located in, in our community in Wisconsin. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, being that we're here at a healthcare conference, and there's uh, obviously a lot of entrepreneurs building companies, and uh, and the relationships in companies uh, keeps coming up. Um, one of the interesting things about the merger is you became a co-CEO, from CEO of Aurora to co-CEO of the Advocate uh, Aurora Health uh, System. How how is that going? How do you how how do you find that integration? of two um, very unique health systems into one has gone. So when, when we were having these discussions, we had two organizations that were leading in their markets. And the board of directors of each of those companies said, you know, we, we're a market leader. We don't, we don't have to do this deal. Um, there has to be a lot of good reason for it. Both boards really liked their CEOs. And to get this deal done, which we think is absolutely the right thing for our patients and the communities we take care of, this was the mechanism to get it done. So we have, um, rather than kind of keeping our previous responsibilities with uh, me in Wisconsin, Jim Skagsberg in Chicago, we've really scrambled the egg. So um, I have system-wide responsibility for the medical group and for government affairs and a number of things that I'm particularly interested in. And then Jim has other responsibilities that are system-wide. And we're together on a weekly basis with our executive team to make those critical decisions. So it's a, it's a joint decision-making process. Sometimes that makes it harder, um, but I think it also gives us two different points of view. So we come out with a richer discussion and good decisions, hopefully. That's amazing. So do you think 
This is a look into the future for other healthcare systems. Do you think that these mega mergers are going to start to become more frequent? When when we look at um, the synergies, so so just just to tell you how we approach this before. The merger, we identified a single board of directors, which was six and six from the legacy organizations. We identified a single chief integration officer, and we set about creating 24 integration teams, all with goals, some financial, some around merging the elements of the organization. And we were absolutely determined that we were going to be disciplined about integration and, and get those synergies. So we, we have done that. I think companies that are willing to do that, these kind of mergers are really good. But not-for-profit healthcare has kind of a bad record of putting stuff together and saying, we'll get to that, we'll get to it, and it never happens. So I, my belief is you just have to be disciplined about this like anything else. And you have to be willing to um, take the best of, of two organizations and say, it, it's not all going to be the way that it was before. Yep. It's going to be different and we can make it better. Right, whether it's best practices or anything else, you have to take right. the, best of, uh, the best of both. So kind of a long answer, but I, I do think that we're going to see more consolidation. We happen to be in a kind of a unique position where we were neighbors, same size, merger of equals, stronger operating margin in Wisconsin, stronger balance sheet in Illinois. It was just, it was an easy decision. Not, they're not all that easy. You were, you were, you were neighbors. Did you, were you competitive before the merger or we really, far enough apart yeah. that it, it was, you were sort of like friendly neighbors? Right, we were friendly neighbors. We also ran a clinical lab together for 17 years before the merger. So, so we there was knew this each other. relationship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very. That made it easier. Yeah. And it's like you started out this afternoon talking about family. Yeah. And... Um, being part of a, um, a blended family for the last 15 years, I can tell you what I've learned about blended families and mergers is it's all the same thing. It's one big family, and you've got to learn to accept the, both, the best of both and come out with a, a really happy family. Yeah, amazing. So, as a physician, so as you as you sit, we we started the the talk off uh, the the fact that you are still practicing, you still see patients, and you think it's a very important part of sort of keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in medicine. What do you think as um, as patients um, start to enter into these larger healthcare systems? Um, what other benefits? Because you sort of said, well, there's, you know, there's going to be some improvements in access, but what are you seeing, or what have you seen since April as some real just hardcore benefits to these patients? Sure. Reducing costs yeah. coming into that too? Access to care? You bet. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm just a huge believer in access, but access by, uh, defined by the patient. So we have worked really hard to have, we have about 500 sites across the two states now, you know, hospitals, uh, offices, urgent care. Uh, we have a partnership with Walgreens for, um, for the um, clinics that exist inside the, those stores. I think providing that whole range of access to patients is important along with what we're developing in telehealth. So it's about how, not only how you make it easy to get to any of those, but how do you connect the dots for the patient? Sure. So we had, um, we had a single electronic health record in Wisconsin, Epic. We um, started in December by implementing that record in 
Illinois for all of our physicians. So we now have physicians across both states on one record. Right. For the patients, that's really great. It's huge. Anywhere they go, the doctor pulls up the record and it's right there. It prevents us from doing uh, repeating tests. It prevents us from um, making the patient wait longer. You know, it just makes it easier from a patient's perspective. And, you know, as a patient myself, I don't, I never call my doctor's office. I message my doctor, I refill my prescriptions online, I do all the things that our patients tell us they want. The more we can do that, the quicker we can do it, the better. So we're looking for companies to partner with that can help us take these processes in healthcare, break them down, make them better, make them easier for the patients that we take I was going to say, of. I think that one of the things that you said about uh, implementing digital health, telemedicine, these, there's very um, easy, in, in some ways, solutions to very common problems that we yeah. all face as providers, but as patients, um, whether it's just, again, like you said, accessing the physician, refilling pres prescriptions, asking a question, getting data and or medical records from one physician to the other. And I think that with the help of entrepreneurs, um, rethinking the way we care for each other, it's a, it's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Nick really um, is at the forefront and has been at the forefront as a CEO of a, of a very large hospital system. Um, and these changes, it's not easy to get into hospital systems. Um, the changes start at the top. And we always say it really is the mindset and, and the vision of the CEO that sort of carries through. Um, and you have clearly over the, over the years demonstrated, um, whether it's baby scripts or some of the other companies that you've worked with, um, a dedication to improving patient care um, through uh, digital technology and through innovation. Do you feel that um, external innovation, so because you, you, you open your doors for people to come and work with you, do you think that encourages internal innovation as well? Absolutely. So I, I think the exposure to external ideas gets we have 70,000 employees now as a combined organization. We want every one of those employees to be innovating about their work every day, how they could do it better, more efficiently. When they're exposed to people from the outside who say, why are you doing this? Why do you do it that way? It gets them thinking in a different way. You know, healthcare in general has not been good at that. We've, we've been very programmed to, we get trained, we go, we do this, we do it the same way for years. We're trying to disrupt that. So it's partly exposure from the outside, partly creating the environment internally that says, you know, um, we're gonna set up a time, we're gonna look at a problem in your market and we're gonna ask you as frontline employees to figure out how to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So we have, to, we have to nudge people along and as soon as we ask, they have great ideas. It's amazing, right? There's a, exactly. a lot of people, and it, it, some of it is that the health systems don't even ask, right? And, and you have to sort of bring it and sort of shake the cage and say, um, give me your ideas. Right. So I wanted to ask, just sort of end this on a, on, on, a, on a personal note, because again, you were a full-time practicing family physician for a long time. What, what was the nidus that, um, that helped you sort of decide to move from just practicing to really being a health change maker, right? An administrator that yeah. really wants to change the way we care for each other. So I never 
never imagined going to medical school to do what I'm doing now. It was, was not in my game plan at all. The, um, what I think changed my mind was my first couple of years in practice in a small community in central Illinois, where I saw how dysfunctional the system was for the community, for the patients, how, um, how difficult we make it. So I went through medical school and residency thinking, oh, I'm gonna go out and do great things, and you get out and find out it's not so easy. Yeah. So I got very inter interested in systems of care and how do you make a system work better? And my belief has been, and I feel even more strongly now, if we, have, if we take care of three million patients and I can positively affect the way we have outcomes for diabetes and heart disease and preventive medicine, then that's a good use of a physician's time. That's a very good use of physician's time. It's interesting because uh, when it's, we just had the talk with uh, the Park brothers, but uh, when Stephen and I and Unity and Barry, we were all starting Startup Health, we had a company before called Organized Wisdom, but uh, I was, you know, I was in the middle of my practice and, and Stephen says, well, we're going to work together. And I'm like, wow, well, I take care of patients already. And he says, yeah. He says, but you take care of patients one, one at a time. That's he right. says, I'm going to give you the opportunity to take care of millions of patients and think of that change. So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Very exciting. I get, the one message I would have for, for entrepreneurs here is um, please keep at what you're doing. I mean, healthcare is still badly broken. And if we can um, be impatient enough to nudge us along and get things changed, it's going to make lives better. It's going to save lives. It's going to make care better. It's going to revolutionize healthcare. We're right on the cusp. You know, yeah. it is changing dramatically now. It's so different than when I started in practice, in a good way. Yeah. But our patients are going to push us quickly. I would rather stay out ahead of that and say, how can we make it better? So thank you for what you do every day because it, it is making a big big and positive difference for our patients. Yeah, as Jill says, the urgency of now, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, well, thank you, Nick. Thank I you. appreciate you being here. Great to see you.